Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Alrighty. Hello. Hi. We're back. We are back. Episode three. Uh, regular release schedule coming soon. <laughs> Something to look forward to. So in our last episode, while we were discussing quiet quitting, um, whether or not that's a myth, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the quote, great resignation and things like that. One of the, the things that was brought up was about having, quote, difficult conversations around quiet quitting, around, you know, if you feel like your employer is asking maybe too much of you or, you know, you more and more is being added to your plate and you you at some point you're like, look, this is what I'm getting paid for. You know, you're asking me to go above and beyond, not just like once in a while, but now on a regular basis. How we, we you know, in our last episode, we said, maybe bring that up, maybe talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I know one of the things we wanted to talk about today was, okay, but how do you do that? Yeah, definitely. So... But I'm going to throw it out first. Have you ever been in that situation? I have. Like in a, in a work-related, yeah, I've had to quit a job. Those were difficult conversations. I've also had to address, can I tell a little bit of a story? Tell the story, please. So I worked in an office uh, with university students, and I had a student in the office, and he was from China. He was an international student. And we were just making small talk. We were talking, and I think we were talking about cooking. And one of my coworkers came out. So this person's not a university student at all. They're an employee. And heard the student talking about cooking. And he said, oh, what were you cooking? Was it dog? Yeah. Oh. And so there was a big age gap between me and my coworker. And I could tell that the student's face just dropped. It was awful. And so then I had to go and talk to my boss about what happened and what this person had said. And then I had to be part of the conversation where the person, I don't want to say reprimanded, they were reprimanded, but more of the story had to be told. And right. that was probably one of the most difficult conversations I've been part of. Well, absolutely, because it sounds like the the person maybe telling the story, the international student, was not necessarily in a position or felt like they were advocating for themselves. Yeah. And if you were the one bringing it forward, then you were necess- you were you know advocating for them or saying like look this wasn't this was a very uncomfortable situation and potentially the other colleague who made the comment needed a bit of what I like to call course correction. Yeah. Maybe some some updating on on language and appropriate opportunities to bring about their opinions and their ideas yeah it was just like a classic example like think is it thoughtful is it helpful is it necessary you know and what made it really awkward for me was I was the only person in the room that heard it so when I told my boss my colleague was going to know who said something right yeah you know and then me spiraling being like, well, now I have to have interactions with this person. Is it going to be awkward? And in the end, like, it doesn't matter. 
right? No. Like that was an extremely inappropriate thing to say and it had to be addressed. I mean, that's a that's an extreme black and white opportunity to say this was inappropriate. You did have to have a very difficult conversation. I mean, as a manager in a previous role, I would say a similar but different conversation came to light. I, I kind of walked in on two of my staff talking about an interaction that they had had with another person within our organization who, you know, they were talking about setting up for an event and somebody else within this organization told, was telling them a story about a time where he was taking down equipment and things from an event and encountered two individuals partaking in some very sexual encounters. Wow. Yeah. But the part that stood out to me was this was a grown person who identified as a male Mm -hmm. telling this story in front of two very young people who identified as female. Right. And to me, it became a very power dynamic, almost predatory style, in my, in my opinion, mm-hmm. way of exerting themselves. Right. And I also had to bring this up with this other person's manager to be, you know, to sort of say, because again, as the manager of these two young females, I had said, I don't think this was appropriate that this was said in front of you. They didn't feel comfortable bringing this up with the human resources at this organization. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to talk about this to this person's manager. And I said, as your manager, I'm going to bring this up and say to this other person's director, this was not appropriate. This wasn't small talk around a coffee maker. This wasn't water cooler chit chat. This was a very direct, I'm going to share something with you that I think will, in my opinion, exert my power over you yeah and in in a very weird way and again my perception of this interaction and again this is somebody that I then had to interact with for several more months when I was in that role and have again you know seen them out in the community because we don't live in a massive metropolis here it's not Toronto but you know at the end of the day it's about I think you know, it comes back to what the signs you see at an airport. See something, say something. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't, if we don't, I think, stand up for those, you know, seemingly small things, who's going to stand up for the big things, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. So, again, these are some examples of maybe engaging in difficult conversations. But I think in addition, we also want to really talk about, and I think we've delved into a little bit, but about really creating those opportunities for employees and employers to have more clear communications. I think it's a big part is around creating expectations and reviewing, you know, whether it's rules and regulations around these expectations. Kind of one of the like 101 conflict resolution things I learned about in school was conflict exists around discrepancies in expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing I talk about in the times I've been able to to lecture and teach around workplace conflict is my expectations. So if my expectations as a 
instructor is, you know, you're going to, as a, as a student, you're going to show up on time, you're going to be ready to learn, you're going to do the readings, you're going to engage in the content. You know, the student's expectations of me as the instructor is that I'm going to show up on time, I'm going to be prepared, I'm going to be able to answer questions and, you know, evaluate maybe on a fair grading scheme. And it's when those expectations where there's gaps. Mm -hmm. So one of us doesn't show up. Nobody's prepared. Maybe they don't feel like I'm not clear in my grading schemes or I don't feel like they've, you know, done the work. That's where conflict can exist. So but that that can be in any circumstance, right? When there's those gaps, when there's the I've always said when there's when there are gaps, people will fill them in. Mm-hmm. you know, the gray areas, right? So people will fill in those areas with, you know, past experiences. They'll fill them in with whatever makes sense to them. And then if the reality doesn't meet that, then that's where conflict exists, right? Exactly. Well, and I think so often people think of conflict as a very negative thing, which that's not necessarily wrong, but they just try to minimize conflict. So they mm-hmm. just want to make it so that no conflict ever happens. And that's just not how humans work, no. right? Like there you're, you're collaborating with different people. You're working together. There is going to be conflict and that's not a bad thing. It's your response to the conflict that matters. Right. And yeah. I think when you're going about things in any sort of relationship, not just in work, but in any relationship you have, if you're just trying to act like this isn't happening, there isn't conflict, everything's okay. That's almost worse sometimes. I mean, avoiding conflict is very much a response to conflict, Mm -hmm. but it usually either exasperates the conflict or prolongs it, adds to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I will say one of the most stressful parts around conflict is that is that initial step Mm -hmm. of, of how do I start the conversation or where do I begin a difficult conversation? And one of the things people and inevitably will do is play out scenarios in their head yes you know you'll think okay so if I say this they're gonna say that but but what if I do this and then they say that and so it's the beginning the beginning part is very often the most stressful even thinking about engaging in this conversation I'm sure when you thought about even approaching your boss about look this is what's said Mm-hmm. This is what happened. I'm sure you you thought about, like, should I, should I not? Absolutely. How's this going to go? What's the repercussions going to be like on me? You know, what's going to happen to this other person? You know, there was a lapse in judgment. There was something that was said. You don't know what was going through their head. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think the most important thing was that you came forward. So I will say definitely when it comes to difficult conversations – it's important to do some planning. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you are an employer and you need to have a difficult conversation with an employee, one of the best things to do is to be prepared. So if you need to talk to them about, I'm going to use your example, about a conversation that happened, it's important to, I don't want to say necessarily gather the evidence, but ensure that you have the full picture. Mm -hmm. So talking to you about your experience, potentially talking to the international student that was involved, Mm -hmm. if they're willing to share like what happened, if they're not, then it's, it's, it's hearing from you and it's gathering the information, but then it's, what are you going to do with that information? Mm -hmm. So if, if you're going to have that really, difficult conversation with them, you need to think about all the potential outcomes, 
right? So you need to think about, is this person potentially going to deny that they said that? Again, if it was really just the three of you in the room and, you know, maybe it was, oh, they misheard me or that's not what I said. But also the, you know, what if, what if they get very emotional, which a lot of people do when they're confronted with a very difficult situation. So you need to be prepared in that sense. You need to have your, 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 your evidence or your, your potential outcomes. The other thing you need to be really prepared with is the plan moving forward. So this was said, this incident happened. So, you know, we want to make sure that you understand why this could have potentially been harmful to not just the student, but to you, to others in the room, to the whole organization that was working together. Mm -hmm. So what's the plan? Is it having them engage in an additional professional development opportunity? Is it, okay, so maybe you, they need to do some individual learning, but to have that plan set forward and to sort of say, you know, so this is what happened, you know, get their side of the story. If, if, you know, find out if they're remorseful or if they're like, you know, no, that's not what I said. If, if, you know, give them time to respond. The other important part of this is ensuring that you set this up as not a spur of the moment conversation. When you want to have one of these difficult conversations, which I'm also going to say is an important conversation, that you dedicate time to it, that you actually say, look, we need to have this conversation, book a time. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just come into the room and say, hey, Chelsea, we need to talk about this. Come into my office. You need to let the person know and, and potentially even let them know, like, look, I understand there was an incident about a week ago that um, involved, you know, this person and this person. I'd like to have a conversation because the important thing, if you want there to be a positive progression from this is to give even them the opportunity to prepare Mm -hmm. and for them to say, okay, look, I agree. I thought I was making like a funny joke. I realized it was completely insensitive and culturally inappropriate. And as my own learning, I've taken these steps. Maybe right. give them the opportunity to come up with their own, yeah. you know, progression forward, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and because it can, even like in this situation where I think this person was, it was a black and white, like this person was in the wrong, your delivery, like if you just act as if like you're bringing them into the principal's office, they're going to get defensive. That's human nature. Absolutely. You know, and so if you want to actually make this, a constructive conversation and a learning experience for the person, you can't just bring them in and scold them, you know? No. And that's a very good point and a very key part of a, of a difficult conversation that you want to be positive. If you want the difficult conversation to progress and be learning opportunity seems very cliche to say, but if you want it to be a step forward, then absolutely. You don't want to like make them feel like exactly like you said, that they're in there to be reprimanded. But you want them to feel like, look, we understand this happened. Here's the here's the path forward. Mm-hmm. So a, a big thing and like some tips that I have when you're having these difficult conversations. And it's important to think about thinking about the 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 instance that happened. So instead of saying you know, you always 
say culturally inappropriate things. It's no, on on this occasion, you said this and it was inappropriate. It's using those what I call like grand or or always statements. So instead of saying you always or you never, it creates these like big black holes of, you know, impossibilities where someone can go, well, you don't actually pay attention to anything I do. Because right. if you think I always say this stuff or if you think I never do that, yeah. then you actually don't know me and what I'm doing. So it's really important when you're having these conversations to be very specific about the piece you want to address and as well the piece you want to move forward on. The other part that I like talking about is always speaking to the other person's best self. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to explain that, look, we understand something happened or again, maybe it's a performance evaluation piece and you're like, look, you haven't been turning your work in on time or your work's been, you know, not up to its usual standards Again, you want to always talk to that person's best self. So you want to assume that you're saying, look, we understand that, you know, your your work is usually at this level or we understand that you've never really said anything like this before. And, and we want to hear more from you about what happened. If you talk to that person's best self or you're assuming the best out of the other person, then they're going to respond to you in that same way. But if you go in and say, I cannot believe you said this. Like, how could you? And you're almost talking to the worst version of this other person. Right. Then chances are they're going to give you back Mm -hmm. the worst version. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and again, maybe it's the time of the year, but I always feel like, you know, if you talk to the Grinch, you're going to get the Grinch. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That makes me think of in my second student teaching placement, I had this class that there was a lot of behavioral issues and there was huge issues around disruptions, disrupting the classes. And so my faculty advisor was coming in to do a lesson observation. And so me and my associate teacher were talking about, I was saying to her, like, we need to talk to them about these disruptions, like with my faculty advisor here, like, how am I going to get through this lesson? And she said, we can't go into it talking down to them and saying, you, you always interrupt You know, we're going to go to them and say, you're such a great class. You're such great listeners. And we're going to show Ms. Lockstead's faculty advisor that you're such great listeners because they're going to want to see themselves in that, right? So if it's positive, they'll see themselves in that. If you're really negative, they'll see themselves in that too. Yeah. And they're more likely to live up to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, I don't even, I'm sure there's an, there's some saying that I'm, I'm missing, but it's like you know, give what you want to get out of it, right? So exactly like you said. And it comes back to, you know, when you want to go in and you want to talk to them about a very specific thing, try to not then list all the other harmful, awful, shitty things that they may be done in the past just to get across the point that this was also not a great thing, right? Focus solely on the issue at hand. You know, in your case, I also agree. And I think we call a little bit, you know, in school, we called it the, the shit sandwich or the poop sandwich Mm -hmm. or whatever, where, you know, you give a good thing. It's like, you know, you did a really great job on this project. We wish you wouldn't have, you know, talked about them eating dog, but also we really appreciate what you did on that. You know, it's like sandwich the bad with the good. Yeah. And I think that is a, 
like that's a good way of coming at it as long as you don't list as long as you again you focus on the one key thing you want to talk about instead of listing all the other things because if you don't focus that part of the conversation then the the key thing and the piece you want to talk about gets lost in the litany of other things that maybe you were talking about and again it's it's important that if there are performance issues if there is course correction that you want to address you're doing it as it's happening otherwise it's going to get lost Mm -hmm. and people aren't going to care. And they're going to be like, well, it doesn't matter because they're not going to bring it up for six months. And then in six months, they're going to bring it up with a bunch of other things that I did. So who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's important to address things in the moment and, and make it about that and create the plan for it from that. And then if that plan's not working, then you, you work with that, but you know, you, you don't want to, you know, give them a laundry list of ways in which they let you down. Yeah. So I really want to focus on, as we kind of wrap up this episode, on some of my favorite action-oriented tips for difficult conversations. So one of the things that I think we've kind of touched on is keeping your goals realistic. So as I've said before, you can't really ever eliminate the stress you'll feel around sharing or having a conversation that might entail negative feedback or things that are difficult, but you can reduce it. As I said, you can spend your time on preparation. And again, if there are specifics that you need to bring up or have prepared, but we really want to ensure that you leave that space for feedback in conversation. So it's around ensuring that you allow adequate time and that you you give that space to somebody and that you set them up for success as well. You you book time and you don't make it all about, you know, again, that laundry list of things that you want to list out, but that you give your employee. And I would say flip it. If you're an employee and you want to talk to your boss about something, you know, you say, look, I, I really need to talk to you about, you know, that situation or maybe that feedback you gave me a week ago when do you have time in your schedule and actually make sure that they have time Mm -hmm. so that it's not, you know, 30 minutes in between meetings where you know that they're going to be thinking about the last meeting and prepping for the next meeting. Like ask for a legit time. Well, and I think this is like a cycle when we're talking about, you want to have something very specific that you're talking about. Oftentimes in workplaces, you're getting, there's this conflict. It's not being addressed and more issues are being created. And so by the time that you go to address it, there is this laundry list, yeah. you know, and, and so if you're able to, I don't want to say nip in the bud, but like if you're able to handle these different instances of conflict as they come up, you're not getting into a situation where all of a sudden there's 10 different things that need to be addressed all at yeah. once. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you don't have regular weekly check-ins with your staff, if maybe you only do it once a month or maybe every two weeks, that you still allow there to be time, you know, whether it's through a certain messaging service, like there's Slack, there's texting, there's things like that where you could say, you know, address maybe smaller issues that you leave the bigger issues for meetings. Um, And I would say sort of second on my list there that I think goes with what we were just talking about is, is, and I say bad news, but dealing with those more contentious issues right up front. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever sat in a meeting and, you know, you've chit-chatted and you've talked about your weekend or, you know, are you ready for the holidays and blah, 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 blah. 
And the last 15 minutes of your meeting, the person goes, oh, yeah. And so we should really talk about that time that you made that very inappropriate comment. And you kind of go, okay, so I got 10 minutes before I'm supposed to catch my bus home. Yeah. You know, bring the issue up first. Mm -hmm. Give that the most airtime in your meeting so that you leave the chit chat and the great, you know, back and forth conversation for later. Well, and I think it's a good debrief then. Like I know I struggle with like, not that I've never, I've never been in a situation like the one I was talking about, but where, you know, you have to get some feedback or anything like that. I, I struggle with, I go into that like all or nothing thinking of they hate me. I'm so bad at my job. And, and so if you can have that difficult conversation and then, you know, to just kind of get back to normal and, and then just talk about other things, you know, and it's, it's all okay. Like we're, we're good. You know, it, it's nice to have that kind of debrief after. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think it kind of leads into our next point around what I call the, you know, it, it's almost like the, the world of improv, the and stance, right? Yeah. Where you, you lead into it. So, and, 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 and as a parent, I do this, you know, as I see, you know, sometimes when I get into some difficult conversations with my kids, you know, I all, I, I often will put it into context and sort of say, and I know you were up very late last night at granny's mm-hmm. and I know you were up early at granny's Mm -hmm. and I know you're excited about Christmas and I know this like you put into context yes you're not well rested you're super excited and that's probably why you smacked your sibling upside of the head when they didn't do what you wanted them to do so it's you know it's putting in the objectives and things like that so that they know that you're not taking their actions as the be all and end all of who they are as people, Mm -hmm. you know, but also you need to let them know that maybe their behavior in that moment wasn't ideal. Right. So it's letting an employee know that like, and I know you've worked all night and I know you want to do well. And I know you've just joined the company and I know you, you know, want to do this job really well. So it's, it's, it's saying, if maybe they need more time on something, you know, don't rush a job. Don't tell a client, you know, that they're bothering you. You know, whatever the the, the context is, it's, it's letting them know that you understand the circumstances. But again, if there's course correction that needs to happen, it's still addressing that and yeah. saying, and we expect X, Y, and Z out of you as an yeah. employee. Well, it, it's cutting out the opportunity it depends on the situation, but it's cutting out the opportunity for excuses. Mm. You know, like I acknowledge you're new to this company, so you might not know. Yeah. And then they can't say, well, I'm new. I, so I didn't know. Yeah. Because no. you know that and you've addressed that, you know, that. no, absolutely. That's an excellent point of saying yes. Like, you know, you're new, but also often when you're new, you should be on your best behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're new. And so it's a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another thing we want to talk about is, is the blame frame. So one thing that a lot of people internalize, maybe when they're getting some difficult feedback or some having that difficult conversation is that they, they internalize a lot and they, they will feel like they're being blamed for certain things. So again, the goal of these conversations is, is not to judge, Mm -hmm. but to sort of say like, look, this happened this is our path forward. This happened. This is our goal for next time. So again, 
it's it's not about being right and wrong. It's about managing better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can absolutely name and address poor performance, you know, in in that. But it's not about saying, in this instance, you were 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. The client was right or we were right. Um, It's about, you know, next time this is what we expect. Exactly. Because, yeah, okay, I was right and you were wrong. What's that going to do? Right. Right. Like that at this point, that's irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. So the last one I want to talk about is, again, it is difficult conversations. So I, I feel like whether you are the employer, the employee, whoever's bringing this up, even if you ask for specific time and you have prepared, it doesn't matter on what end, you need to be prepared for bad reactions. You need to be prepared for, like we just talked about, Um, the blame game, finger pointing, denial, arguments, tears. I'm the first in all these difficult conversations to start crying. Mm -hmm. That's my reaction is Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the person that's going to immediately start crying Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you need to be prepared for that. And you need to remember that even if you feel like you are approaching it in the most empathetic way you can't control the other person yeah we are not robots Mm -hmm. we are not computers I can't go in and create a bug fix for what's going to happen we are human beings and we are going to react in a million different ways so again it's it's really about I would say focusing on three key conversations the what happened so really focusing on the facts and sort of saying again in your instance that you brought up, Chels, you know, there was this conversation, this was said, again, the next sort of step in that is how do you feel? So as the employer, you could say, we feel that this wasn't appropriate because, you know, it it, it didn't seem very culturally sensitive to the individual speaking yeah. about, you know, their, their new cooking. And you know, again, the, the third thing is, what does this sort of say about me? So, again, the person that maybe said it doesn't necessarily say, like, I'm sure they don't feel that they are a culturally insensitive person. Mm-hmm. They probably thought that they were making a funny joke. Yeah. So it's about how does that resonate with them and making sure that as you're having these conversations with them that, you know, you, you let them know that, you know, while this was necessarily – in your mind and maybe as the organization inappropriate that you're going to help them figure out their next steps, that it's not going to create this big dissonance between who they see themselves as. So again, it's focusing on like the facts. So what happened, how they feel, the emotion side of it, and then what this says about them, the identity. And again, their identity as, you know, an employee, an identity as, you know, a coworker, as a friend, as a person, you know, making sure that you're letting them have the conversations and the feelings around all of that. I kind of want to wrap up with one final sort of piece of advice around when you're having difficult conversations. And this might apply more to difficult conversations in a more, maybe a less employee-employer world and maybe more in like a a friend zone but I've seen him play out in both and that when you're when you're listening to somebody or you're engaging in a difficult conversation that you avoid making suggestions Mm, 
Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to touch more on this in, in a future episode when we talk about difficult conversations around hearing versus listening. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's very common as you're listening to somebody explain a situation Sometimes our gut reaction is to fix the problem. Right. And it's, oh, well, did you try this? Well, what did you do? What about this? Or like, have you even just decided to like, like, never mind about them? Again, before you make a suggestion, really consider your motivation for wanting to make it. Particularly when emotions are running high in a conflict, resist that urge to jump in and start offering suggestions about what the other person needs to do. Because very often that will make the other person feel like you're not actually even listening to them, that you just want to make their problems go away, that you're, you're, you're just, you want it to be a checklist item versus actually listening. Another great thing is to actually ask at the beginning of a conversation, you know, as somebody wants to say, Hey, I need to talk to you about something, go, okay. And this is something that I've had to do in a lot of my friendships and other personal relationships to be like, do you just need an ear to listen? Yeah, just or, need to vent. Yeah, do you need to vent or do you want a suggestion? Mm-hmm. Because if they want advice, great, I will give you advice. Mm-hmm. But if you just need to let it out, yeah, exactly. let it out. Because I have been in so many instances where I have just wanted to talk and somebody has offered me advice and I have been so annoyed. Yeah, so annoyed. <laughs> well, it, it almost comes across as like condescending where it's like, okay, I really need to get this off my chest. This is an issue I have. And a person's like, well, have you tried this? Oh. You know, like, okay, you're kind of invalidating whatever emotion yeah. it is that I, I need to express right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like you t- you've turned off your hearing ears mm-hmm. and you've just listened. Cause I've said the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is you're actually taking in what the other person is saying and listening is I'm waiting for your lips to stop moving so that I can start talking. Yeah. And there is a huge difference, but again, it also depends on what you're looking to get out of a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for that advice piece, let us know if you're looking for, just an open void to <laughs> scream and yell into, then absolutely that's a that's all that's that's valid too. Yeah, and maybe you need to just get through that part before you go to the advice. Okay, so that was kind of episode one of our difficult conversations. So not to be confused with our actual episode ones. So this was episode three overall. Yep. I feel like, you know, when people try to talk about Star Wars <laughs> and they're like, episode one's like, are you talking about chronologically? But yeah, episode three, part one of Difficult Conversations. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but as we are, are want to do now, given that we try to talk about things that are not necessarily difficult, but overall. So Chelsea. Mm-hmm. What have you done for yourself lately? So something I've done for myself lately that started back in September was I enrolled in an adult ballet class. Well, that's right. Yeah. So I grew up dancing and I loved, love, love, love ballet. Um, And I stopped when I was in grade nine. And um, I just, through the pandemic, I, as so many others, you know, like suffering with mental health and all that stuff and all of that, um, I was just scrolling through Facebook one day and I saw my old dance studio had an ad for an adult ballet class. And I was like, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to put myself out there because it was such a thing that like, it would be so easy to like see it and be like, oh, I should do that. And then just keep scrolling, you know? But I thought, no, like I actually want to go. I want to get out of the house once a week. I want to do something for myself. It'll get me active. It's something I love and I'm going to do it. And I've been going, um, once a week, um, for 45 minutes, me and my ballet teacher, Natalie. So I'm the only one in the class. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Me and Natalie, we call each other kindred spirits and it is just, it's been like such an amazing experience. Like getting to dance and the physical aspect of it is great, but, um, just getting to chat with someone, you know, like it, it's just, it's been really great. I really love it. And it's really nice to do something for myself every week. And it's nice to get out of the habit of like, Oh, I'm going to do something for myself. Like buying, a muffin <laughs> you know like it's a little bit more concrete than that um so yes yeah, so that's what I've been doing for myself that's beautiful Thank and you. so I remember for your birthday I got you yes the Lululemon gift card yeah did yeah. you use that to buy a leotard um they don't have le- they didn't oh. have leotards um but I got myself a really cute little set um but no part of what I love about it is um like when I was in dance like everyone used to make fun of me because like the thing right is like you go in like your sports bra and, and your shorts and you're not wearing your dress code. But I was like pink tights, black leotard, hair in a bun. And I'm still like that. And I love, I love like putting on like the little outfit and like looking like a little ballerina. Well, please invite me to your concert. I don't have one. No, oh, okay. But <laughs> well, I mean, if you decide to like do one, on I'll your give own. you a little concert. Okay. Little I ballet. would love that. Yeah. So what are you doing for yourself, Emily? So also in the world of physical exertion, mm-hmm. I have finally put my skis back on nice. for this season. I I cross-country ski, but I skate ski. Right. And as we have here in the wonderful world of Northwestern Ontario, received a lot of snow. I was trying to get the motivation to go back to cross-country skiing. And I had some friends. You know, we all bought our early bird memberships. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. But I was not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it was just my aversion to winter this year or something, but I finally got out this week and I did two skis, mm-hmm. like back to back skis, and I didn't completely suck wind the entire time. Amazing. And to be out there and literally looking up at what the ski, um, the people that groom the the ski trails out where I go, they call it elephant snow that we just got because it's so thick and heavy snow. But to look up at the trees and the sun was shining and it was a blue sky and I looked up and I was like, okay, (laughs) this is pretty. I like what I'm doing. This feels good. But it literally, like, whereas seasons past, I've been begging for the ski trails to be open this year I was kind of like I'm not ready but I got out and it felt really good and I'm so glad I did it yeah well and to relate it back to the difficult conversations there's just something that is so hard about starting yes you just have to start yeah absolutely so it was a difficult conversation with myself that if I put on the skis and I go do the thing as soon as I do it once we'll be good yeah love it awesome yeah well well Till next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandrick Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandruck is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.